Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast and Aston Villa podcast. As usual, I'm your host, James Rushton, once again, joined by Daniel Raza. How are you getting on, mate? Hi, mate. I mean, apart from the fact that uh, there's not a win in sight for me to celebrate, <laughs> uh, I'm all right. What about you? All good, man. Um, I think Villa are doing a slightly bit, a bit better than they were doing, but still nothing uh, to write home or shout about at all. I think we got a few matches to sum up because we missed out a few. Um, I wasn't feeling, really feeling recording about Villa last Sunday after the uh, loss to Baggies and, of course, the loss to Brentford. But I feel a lot more positive now after the Stoke game. So we've got quite a packed schedule today. So let's condense the talk. We've got to get. Through, we've got to talk about Brentford, of course. We've got to talk about Baggies. So let's combine them and uh, have a general discussion about those two games. Because I know you watched the Brentford one and the Baggies one. That Brentford one, oh, it was a bit rough, wasn't it? Brentford was a example of, I think it was a full-on example of what our team is and what it was missing. It was basically the ideal side that we would like to have when Dean Smith uh, has a little bit more time on his hands and gets things together. In fact, we need to be better than Brentford, of course. I mean, that, that's that's what we need to be. But I think I think we, we clearly saw what was missing. That Brentford side isn't necessarily player by player more talented than than the Villa side that we have right now, but uh, they wanted to get to the ball first every single time. There was a lot more passion. There was a lot more running around. They, that that press was a lot more consistent from them. Um, and I think for a neutral who might have been watching that, they're looking at that and they see one team who who very clearly wants to win in comparison to the other. And I think that was that was clearly what we had missing and clearly what Dean Smith actually lacks now that he's with us and I think that's something that that is definitely going to be frustrating him there just was more energy on the Brentford side and just a better press and I think that's exactly what uh what what led to our defeat do you think Villa were anything at all towards unfortunate in that match I think they defended quite well it was the last minute the last chance of the game they scored and Villa like Dean Smith said, on the weight of things, Villa had the best chances, and they did. They had two clear-cut chances from Albert Adoma for one, and Conor Horahan, who had the other, and they, they both failed to score. But looking back, I don't think any team had any better chances than those two that Villa had. No, but I think I think that you know the chances that Villa did have, I think, were... We're coming from a desperate angle. Like I think, I think we we only really started getting those chances when we'd realised that we weren't really breaking Brentford down. And yeah, fair enough, we gave it somewhat of a go, but Brentford just didn't stop. You know, their defending was high energy all throughout the match, so it meant that we were frustrated. It meant that we were frustrated in terms of uh, trying to get the ball through to strikers. And when we did get opportunities, we were under pressure and we just couldn't finish. And I think that's 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 another wider problem that we have at the moment. Nobody bar Tammy Abraham can finish right now. And, I, and that, 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 that is a totally different problem. But Brentford just did not stop up until the end. And I think when it got to the 80th minute or so, you watching that as a Villa fan know that it's over. We're not nicking a goal here. But Brentford did not mm. stop. They kept knocking at the door. And I think um, what's really annoying me is this defeatist attitude from players walking around the pitch, you know, after the 70th minute and just kind of thinking to themselves, well, we're not, you know, just feeling sorry for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, we had the Sheffield United come back and that was fair enough. But, you know, a side like Brentford who's coming at us and does not want to lose, we have no chance against. So that, I don't feel like we're going to give a match ball for Brentford, are we? It was just, you, you can probably say Mings did all right. 
Mings is the only guy who looks like he's stepping up and being a leader right now. But you wouldn't go. Yeah, anyone deserved a match ball from that one, especially the next game against Baggies, because Villa probably played all right and they let in two really soft goals, but they didn't actually ever look like a threat. Uh, Tammy Abraham missed a really good chance against West Brom. So we're moving on to this game now. I think the game changes if Abraham scores, but he doesn't. And Villa let in two really soft goals. I think one's a header from the corner of the box and the other is just a weak shot from outside the box. And it's just disaster from there. Do you know what? That match was frustrating because West Brom basically walked in, didn't have to do anything, and walked off. That's what it looked like. G- yeah. Genuinely. No, I thought it felt am, like. I, am I right? That's what it felt like, mate. That's exactly what it felt like. They walked in, scored a goal. Sweet. Villa players, you know, walking around the pitch, is kind of like, yeah, all right then. Fair enough. You know what I mean? There was no urgency. Nobody was like, you know what? This is Derby. We need to get a we need to get a win for our fans. Here. There was none of that, and I, I get that the atmosphere, you know, completely turns on its head on its head. And there's been a lot of booing. There's been a lot of that, but you know, y- y- you need to dig yourself out of these holes. And I mean, stop feeling sorry for you, for yourselves because when was the last time we took the lead in any game? You know, it's their own fault. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if people are being negative, I think the one way to change that it's through positive performances but I can't help but think that some of the criticism that's went their way kind of Hurhan stands out to me don't think he's had the best season mate um I think me and you know that he hasn't had the best season I think he knows he hasn't had the best season and when he was substituted off against West Brom he he took a lot of flack for that he took a, a fair hit in that game a lot of jeers and a lot of booze and uh I think Dan Bardle said uh 50 50 of the stadium either with him or against him that's bad. Yeah, it is bad because, you know, as, as a player, I mean, and Conor Hurahan is a very talented player, right? When it comes to the championship, you think of a player who can do it all, who is a complete midfielder. Because Conor Hurahan is a complete midfielder, right? He can tackle, yeah. break play exactly. down, um, and, you know, he can, he can come forward to the ball and support an attack. You know, he's, he's not far off playing in a number 10 position if he wanted to. But I think that, the midfield. I don't. I don't want to put all the blame on Conor Hurahan. I think we have a very unbalanced midfield. It doesn't work. I don't think Hurahan and McGinn together work. Um, I don't think Hurahan, McGinn, and a defensive midfielder works. You know, I think. I think one of McGinn, one of Hurahan needs to needs to be dropping a little bit lower or dropping a little bit further back. Um, but I, I think at the moment it almost seems as though they are having to do a lot of defensive work that they can't handle. Because I think the two of them uh, both need a little bit more freedom going forward. And we don't have the ball. We don't have the ball, so they they can't necessarily do that as well. I think he's struggling there. Do you think think Horahan gets compared quite unfairly to McGinn? Because McGinn's an all-action player and not a lot works for him. But he... Even if he isn't putting in an effort, it looks due to his style that like he is. He's at all elbows, all arse, all tongue. His head's wagging everywhere and running around, putting putting a shift in, it looks like. And because Hurahan's a different type of player, do you think they are com- compared somewhat unfairly? They're totally different types of players. You know what I mean? And I, I think, I, I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's fair to, to compare either of them together. You know, if you compared Hurahan to Whelan again, you know, it's a bit silly. Um, 
McGinn, I would say, is more of a box-to-box midfielder. He, he does have to do a lot of the dog work. Hurahan, you rely on him to do a little bit more of the playmaking. But I think with Hurahan, uh, again, it's like, who is he supposed to get the ball to? You know, he, he's he's supposed to be supporting players like Jack Grealish, and we don't have anybody ahead of him who's who's, who's going to be able to who's going to be able to support him like that. Um, you know, he needs a little bit more time. He needs a little bit more. Uh, I, th- I think he, I think he's just far too under pressure to do what he wants to be doing, Conor Huran. I think that's that's the way I'd look at it, because there isn't anybody else on that uh, on that pitch who's who's doing the defensive work. You know what I mean? I think. I think if 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 Whelan yeah. or uh, Jedinak were a little bit more well equipped to do that kind of work, it might mean that Hurahan could be a little bit more free to go forward. I don't think Conor Hurahan has ever had to be the guy in midfield that's winning the ball back, and I think he's struggling, you know, having to put up with with with, with all of that right now. And I I, I am being a bit sympathetic, right, a hundred percent. Um, but and and I get that his performances haven't been great. I don't want to blame the individual, but uh, I just don't think the midfield works as it is. I just don't think it works. When we had Jack Grealish ahead of um, Hurahan and McGinn, it worked because we had the ball and we were playing through the middle and we were being the attacking side. Right now, under the pressure that we are, we need somebody who's going to break up play a little bit more. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the complicated matter at hand. Uh, really, I think people are expecting Huran to do way more than he than he actually can at the moment. Do you think he was anywhere near um, kind of deserving of the reaction that he had when uh, he was substituted off? I think a lot of people have tried to justify in that he was slow getting off the pitch or something like that. Do you think he deserved it? It's a tough one. I, 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 don't, I don't want to justify it. I don't want to justify it, but I I, I get that people get frustrated with players when they're not putting in the, the best performances. You know, Hurahan scored close to 10 goals, was it, last season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last yeah, season he I think he may well have done. 10, I think. People are asking, where is it now? I mean, it's not just him, is it? Albert Adoma scored his first goal of the season last uh, yesterday, which is ridiculous when you when you consider how many he scored last season. It's a bit of a difficult situation, isn't it? Um, on the one hand, you can see why people are frustrated. On the other, I think we do need to grow up and be in that way towards players. Look, criticism's one thing. I think criticism's completely, you know, deserved. But we we are quite reactionary at these games and quite angry and abusive. And I don't feel that you know when you're wearing that claret and blue. If he was playing for West Brom, give him give him hell. But we gave Gareth Barry and. Right, Gareth Barry's a Villa legend, but we gave him such, such a good reaction, a good response when he left the pitch. Compare that to Conor Hurahan, who is actually a Villa player right now. Yeah, but I think Ooh, it's a bit odd. I think Villa fans see a thirty-four-year-old Gareth Barry, you know, acing that midfield. Thirty-eight, mate. Thirty-eight. Oh, there you yeah. go. Right. See a player of that sort of age, you know, acing that pitch. Right. Basically, you know, running that midfield, <laughs> and. Uh, you compare it to the performances of our players who look defeated. Mm. They just—they're not—they're not—they're uh, not, you know, playing like you know. You—you—you you want them to look like badasses on the pitch, right? You want them to look confident. You want them to look yeah. like uh, they—they've gone onto that pitch knowing what they want to get out of it, you know. And immediately, what we see in terms of the body language is defeatist, and it's negative, and it's resemblant of what we've had to put up with for years. 
right? And what we want to see is a little bit of confidence. You know, we want to see that the same sort of performances that, um, and dare I say it, that, that Bruce was actually man- able to get out of the players, you know, um, in last season, you know, when we went on that mad, win- that mad winning run. Um, mm-hmm. And I think genuinely for Dean Smith, I think the frustration is we know that all he needs to do is get these players a little bit better motivated and we will see better performances. Because right now it's not a question of talent. It is a question of motivation. And we know that because we've seen them pull out better performances. Yeah, I think Gareth Barry is a good example because of, you know, how good did he look against West Brom? No, against Villa. <laughs> oh, I'm hurting from losing him. He was my favourite Villa player of all time, I think. But how good did he look against Villa? It's like 38 years old, bust the game, barely breaking a sweat. And Villa, on the other hand, just looked lost. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, um, and I, I think that's it. You know, you look at you look at Glenn Whelan, who's I think he is thirty four, right? And when when people talk about experienced players yeah. and midfield generals, they're talking more about Gareth Barry. You know what I mean? They're talking more about somebody who who goes, you know what? We're going to get a win out of this no matter what, and if we don't, we're going to leave it on the pitch. To be fair, mm-hmm. Whelan's been pulling out more of these performances recently as well, but not not enough of it. You know, these these are the ex- sort of experienced heads that Villa are, are missing because right now we've got a lot of players on the pitch who don't quite know what success is and just seem to hurt whenever whenever things don't go our way. You know, how long has this bad run been going on for? You know, mm. December was a good month. It was good. We were doing really, really yeah. well, right? We took one defeat. We took one hit. And all of a sudden, players don't know what to do with themselves. And it's like you are the same players that were putting in Top yeah. performances last month. What is the problem? You know, and, and it is it is a mental thing. I don't know whether we've got some bad sort of sports psychology going on in the in, in the back room. Whether we don't have quite have the staff to to sort that out. But I think we're all frustrated because the results that are coming out aren't you know sort of resemblant of of of, of what we are. The amount of sitters that we are missing. You know the amount the amount of bad finishing that has been coming yes. out of uh, out of games, and it's like you try yeah. to analyze the matches and try to figure out what, what, where things went wrong, why we're losing, what's wrong with the tactics, and it's like, well, yeah, but Hurahan should have tapped that chance in a couple of weeks ago, and uh, El Ghazi should have scored against Stoke when he was one on one with the keeper, and I think that's why it's frustrating trying to analyze Villa on a podcast with you right now, James. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, you know, tried to break down games. It's very hard to do. So Villa just really unlucky, I think, is is something. And that's a problem. You can't analyse luck. You can't analyse luck. Um, as much as you want to break it down, some teams are luckier than others. Some teams make their own luck, and some teams can you know dig themselves out. These are really hard things to quantify. And I think Villa, for the most part, if you want to describe them as, as anything, it's unlucky. Really unlucky. The game just escapes them. And, you know, they ain't their own best friends, mate. I think we used to say plenty of times they don't out themselves, but plenty of times I've seen out there, it's sometimes they've got away with stuff, sometimes they haven't. I think a lot of people go back to that winning run against Middlesbrough Derby. We got away with some things in those matches, you know, that we didn't in others. So, you know around, what? A lot of it is about swagger, trying to say, Danny. right? A lot about it is believing that you're good enough. Yeah. And we, we're seeing a lot of these YouTube videos of, Players who are motivated and want to do better. Mings is the other day he put up. It was good to see, right? I like that. But bring that attitude to the pitch. 
bring that. It's it's the same. It's the same as going to a job interview, or it's the same as going up to somebody in a bar that you like, James. Right? You might have everything going for you. Genuinely, right? <laughs> you might have everything going for you, right? You might have a high-paying job. You might be really, really attractive. But if you go up and walk to walk up to somebody, um, uh, you know, with, with the attitude in your own head that you're not good enough, then you know nothing's ever going to come out of it, right? Whereas Whereas you, you got you go into into that job interview, you walk up with that person, um, and you know you believe in yourself a little bit more. You're going to get better results, and I and I, I think it is genuinely, uh, it is genuinely a question of that right now with Villa, and that's what finishing is all about, isn't it? Composing yourself, being at um, uh, what, what's the word? Being being at peace with where you are, right? Not panicking. You're one on one with the keeper. I'm going to put this away. Uh, and clearly, what we're seeing a lot of the time now is players thinking in their own heads, "This is going wide. This is going over the crossbar." I mean, did you see the El Ghazi chance against Stoke? Or we're we not on the Stoke game yet. Well, we can, we'll go into it. It's, it's a nice seg. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we 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 had chances against West Brom as well, didn't we? Um, yeah, who ran? That that was what was best one was Abraham about five ten minutes in. And it's a one-on-one chance, and it's it is a good save by Sam Johnson, but it's one of those that I think earlier in the season, when we were feeling a bit more present, a bit more cocky, with swagger, we'd have buried and ran away with the match. Yeah, you can't really. I think, I think, mm. I think the, the reason why you struggle is, you know, everything in training, everything in attacking in attacking training, leads up to that moment. It leads up to those very few moments that you have, you know, when when you're on the attack, that you might get a chance that you can put away. So you fluff that, and suddenly you're thinking to yourself, well, it's not going to get better than that, is it? We're going to start from square no. one. No, and it was frustrating. I think we're not really in a position to give a match ball for West Brom because it was a crap game. Villa really, they didn't play badly. They just got... They just got hit. West Brom didn't have to work for much, and uh, it was a bit of a giveaway of a result. A bit frustrating. And it led to questions over Dean Smith, mate. We'll get into these before Stoke. Because a lot of people were starting to question, and probably rightly so, Dean Smith and uh, his uh, managerial capabilities at Aston Villa. What did you make of that? We're clearly in a very difficult situation here, whereby you've got to think short-term and long-term. And honestly, um, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I mean, uh, the amount of the amount of uh, debates I've had with my dad in the car. You know, every every time I come back to Birmingham, um, always have this kind of conversation about Dean Smith, and it's like, well, you know, where 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 are the results going to come from? You know, what, he, nothing has changed since Steve Bruce. We're, we're, we're getting thrashed more than we were under Steve Bruce, and it's like, yeah, we were, but it's about trajectory, and it's about thinking about the stuff. Just it's 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 can you sacrifice short term success on the pitch? for the chance that we might well be in a better position, you know, in, in a year's time. I think a lot of people are drawing comparisons to Daniel Farker, for example, at Norwich, where it's taken him ages to implement what he wants. Um, but like... Yeah, no, that, that's a perfect example, really, isn't it? That people are um, looking at Norwich and hoping for next season. But this is going to be a long-term... This, I feel like this if it doesn't happen this year and it looks like it isn't, it's going to be a, a long-term project. And I'm talking long-term, not oh, yeah. next season, a few years, yeah. which is the reality of it. And I, I don't think we're all willing to accept that, you reckon? 
Well, I, th- I think that's it. I think you know we 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 almost we're almost going back on the pitch, and we've been in a position where we could reach the playoffs, and we're taking ourselves out of that position, right? Like we we can't reach the playoffs now, basically. Um, but when Smith took charge, we very much you know we're in a position where we could have we could have made a charge of it. Uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> it really is a tough one. But then again, I understand that you know we've got a lot of players who just don't suit the style of football. Um, we really need to change the the feeling, you know, around the club. We need to we need to bring in younger, hungrier players, more energetic players, and uh, really we need to stop thinking about experience and stopping the rot now, and start thinking about well, look, we need to move forward. We need something sustainable, and what's sustainable is Andre Green, Courtney House. Uh, you know, it's not going to be Jack Grealish, but. It, we, we we need to start. I mean, John McGinn, right? We need to we need to start thinking ahead. And I, and I, I understand mm-hmm. that we have had to make a bit of a sacrifice for that. We could not spend that much money in January, uh, and and Smith is struggling with that midfield right now. But I do think over time things will get better. I would not rush to the conclusion that we need to sack Dean Smith. A hundred percent, we don't. Yeah, you know, it's just gonna. No, I don't agree with that at all, mate. It's a bit... I know I agree with you. I don't agree with the sentiment that five months, six months in, we should be even thinking about a negative reaction to it, like sacking him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, I think think we have to think about what Dean Smith was going to be judged on when he moved here, right? Like, what were his credentials? What were his job requirements? What, What was it that he had to do, you know, since moving in? Um, and I think with him it was never get us promoted this season I think clearly under Steve Bruce we were heading in a direction where it was like whoa hold on a second Brucey right, we continue on like this and we could have a Sunderland situation going on genuinely right? We, it, was, it was a rapid drop whereas Dean Smith I think has, has, has taken over and they've gone look sort this mess out right? we can't keep spending money we need a club. We need a team which is gonna, um, which is gonna be a little bit, gonna be a little bit younger and is gonna be sustainable in the next few years. We can't have a club where when Jack Grealish goes, it's over. We can't have that. You know, we, when when big players leave, it's over. We can't have that. We need to, we need to be able to, you know, grow the club a little bit more organically, like he was able to do at Brentford, right? And one of the reasons why Brentford are doing so well right now is because even though Dean Smith went, um, he'd taken the club to such a point where you know, somebody else could come through and the club in itself had its own identity. And that's what that's what Smith's trying to do with Villa. And for that to happen, one January is simply not enough. There needs to be a preseason. And I think when you look at it like that, it's fine. Keep him there. It's not we're not saying that he's done a great job, but also we're saying that bringing somebody else in right now is not going to fix anything. You know, at least let Dean Smith try to work his magic outside of the pitch for now. And I think perhaps then the results will come. Let's move on to Stoke then. Um, yesterday's match, I think a bit of negativity about it in that Villa conceded within the first five minutes, which is completely typical. But I think that was really unfortunate. So this is yesterday's match, Villa versus Stoke City. A lot of, um, a lot of op- optimism going into this game, a lot of good feeling, but there's still, you know, a lot of negativity and people weren't weren't really looking forward to it. And I think those feelings were definitely, definitely, definitely compounded 
when Villa went went under um, 1-0 within five minutes. The way this goal came about needs explaining, Danny, because Alan Hutton had fallen or collapsed on the pitch with a knee injury and it looked really bad. He was actually crying, you know, waving off the fans. He, he was taken straight off the pitch and might be the last time we see him this season if a recent history of injuries that we know of is anything to go by. We haven't seen Twanza Bay and Grealish for ages, so I don't think we'll be seeing Hutton. But Hutton went off and Villa, before they made the substitute, were, of course, down to 10 men while we were assessing the situation. In this gap of time, Stoke scored. They pinged the ball to the left-hand side where we didn't have... Well, the, their left, where we didn't have a player on our right, Alan Hutton, of course, and scored. They they got a free ball in, and it should have been stopped, but we, are, we were down to 10 men, and they scored because of that within five minutes, and Sam Vokes taps home, and it's just madness. Yeah, and it's mate. not even as though you can look at it and go, well, uh, <laughs> you can't look at it and go, well, you know what, Hutton being on the pitch wouldn't have made a difference. You no, know, it 100% would have done. <laughs> the reason that goal goes in, uh, it's all about the cross, right? I think the players in the box, they've done their best, right? Um, it was it was a little bit of a back heel from Sam Vokes. Mings has tried to get ahead of him. Um, yeah, Kalinic fluffs it just a little bit, but I think the players in the box, they're doing what they can. The reason why that goal goes in is because of the cross, because uh, that ball is allowed to slide across the... Um, uh, yeah, slide into the box yeah. basically, right? And the reason that happened is because Jonathan Codger ends up having to rush all the way back from his forward position and try to mark the. Uh, I can't remember who it was actually that um that ended up putting the ball in. Was it? Was it? Sorry, who was it? James McLean. Yeah, I think it was McLean. It was McLean, right? So Codger tried McLean. to get James ahead of McLean. him, but he's a striker. He's never cutting that out, and inevitably, you know, McLean is able to push that in. El Mohamed had to push back to right back. Um, and yeah, you're right. It was a panicky situation. If Hutton's there and El Mahamdi's ahead of him, we're fine. We were, we're, we're absolutely uh, dealing with the situation. But it was all because Hutton was off there that that, that went in. It was a man down and uh, just too easy to score. But in terms of Villa, Villa's general play before we get onto the equaliser, they weren't that bad. And I think a lot of people who probably weren't watching the match was, were being quite negative. And I think Villa were all right. They were needed encouragement from the crowd, don't get me wrong. I did tweet the 7500 the Holt account, joking a little bit when Whelan took a corner. But, like, I mean, I, that's, that's, I'm just messing there, right? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. in general, we're playing four four two. It's a lot better, right? If you're 1-0 down, we're more likely to score like that. We're, 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 we're at least trying to take, you know, take the ascendancy. And, I mean, we, we, we created chances. The chances were there. I mean, El Ghazi was one-on-one with the goalkeeper at one point. Uh, and you know should have scored, but absolutely fluffed his lines. And it is like it is a case of here we go. Like we're gonna miss way more easy opportunities that we're gonna put away at the moment. And until we start scoring a few goals, unfortunately that is the case, right? Because nobody's confident at the moment. We can't finish. But uh, you know we created chances; they were there. Sure, that we 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 had the ability to to score, but. We looked so unconfident in front of goal and it wasn't happening. So Villa was went off at half time, really frustrated with themselves. I and mean, Dean Smith wasn't happy. The players were looking to tear lumps out of each other and when they got into the dressing room. And Villa's um away crowd really good. Um just roared them, got you know, just cheered a lot and made a lot of racket. Not negative, but it has to be said a lot of positive noise coming from that away end. And Villa no came out in the second half looking to do some damage and they did. 
no booing, mate. Really loud, just a general scream and roar of encouragement, which is good to see. No booing, nothing. Um, the players were clearly disappointed with themselves and just having arguments within amongst each other. Dean Smith wasn't happy, but the away following really got behind them, really did. And Villa come out in the second half and scored. And man, it was a moment of magic because Al Ghazi gets the ball and all he does is run and run and run. Just beats everyone. Cuts it across the box for Jonathan Kodra, I believe, who, who misses it completely, just falls over. But that man is there, Albert Adoma, and it's just too easy yeah, for him. and gets his first lot, goal of the season. A little season. bit of energy, and it's a little bit of energy right? Everybody's running into the box there. And you can do that because there's two strikers. There's two strikers on the pitch, and then you've got Adoma coming on from the right-hand side. Look, we <laughs> simply cannot control the midfield as a three. It's not happening. So at least try to, you know, at least try to go a little bit further forward with it. You know, try something a little bit different. Attack. And I think that's the reason why we were able to get the goal there. You know, there were so many bodies. Stoke City didn't quite know what to do there in terms of the marking. I don't know if you remember um, exactly how the goal went, but like, you know, as, as you say, Algarzi's running with it, uh, runs and runs and runs. Stoke are panicking. All their guys get into the box. But, you know, it's some sort of weird zonal marking that, that they basically end up doing, whereby, like, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not actually able to catch any of Villa's runners. And I think that's the kind of way that Villa get beat so often. I mean, it was the way that it was the main it was the main way that Volk scored earlier, right? Um, but it's just a little bit more energy. Come at them, you know. Throw everybody at it, and surely, you know, you get one sort of lucky touch, and it goes in the back of the net. And finally, Adoma gets his goal this season. And I just really hope that this is the start of of him getting into his groove again. Because when Adoma does get confident, man, does he get confident? Yeah, we really need someone to start scoring who isn't Tammy Abraham and maybe Adoma is and always has been the perfect candidate. He's been really unlucky this season. He hasn't been in good form at all and he's had some bad games, but he's got his first goal and he's always, you know, he's been on, on for that all season and it just hasn't happened and now he has happened. Let's see what he can do. But man, Stoke, the Stoke game surely is a lot more positive now. Surely we are all feeling a bit more positive about Villa after that. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and it was good seeing El Ghazi playing so well as well. You know, I, I think I think this is the first time in the last three matches that we actually look like we wanted to win. I think that you know players getting annoyed at themselves and actually starting to you know tear each other up a little bit at halftime. Good, you know, we can't accept this mediocrity. You can't accept you know trying to you know scrape back from one nil down all the time. It just shouldn't be happening. Um, and and I'm glad that you know after everything that was so unlucky in that first half, that guys like Ogazi kept on running with it. Guys like Glenn Whelan as well. Fair play to him holding his own in that in that two man midfield because I didn't know if he was going to be able to. For sure, but uh, in general, I'm feeling really good about Villa. That result helped, and uh, I won't accept a lot of negativity from from that result. Because I think Villa really fought hard for it and a lot of people weren't able to watch it and weren't really in the mindset of allowing Villa to succeed in their point. You know, we got win, lose, or draw, they weren't pretty much there for any positivity. But to see to see Villa fight back and they almost went on to win the match, there's not a lot of incidents we can speak about. But Tyrone Mings, you know, is stopped late on by Jack Butland, of course, wearing the Gordon Banks jersey. Uh, of course, rest in peace, Gordon Banks, who passed away um, over the last two weeks. And um, Stokes' tribute to them was a living goalkeeper who kept them in the game. And Villa would have won that match if it wasn't for Jack Butland. So, uh, 
the big takeaway from that is, you know, another team stepped up to stop Villa. And that's something, you know, how often do we have to make another team work for something? And we might have to make Stoke work for that point. Yeah, and look, Stoke have been in bad form as well. You know, they're, they're, for them, um, a one-all draw was, was big. You know, they, they weren't going to let themselves lose. You know, the fans have been on their backs. You know, they're under severe pressure at the moment as well. So, you know, Gary Rowett, you know, big pressure for him, man. Really is under some serious pressure over there. He got sacked. Oh, sorry, he did, didn't he? Nathan Jones, yeah. yeah Nathan he's already Jones, under pressure. There's a lot of, yeah, like, yeah. the point still stands that he's under pressure, no matter who it is. Gary Rowett got sacked. The new guy's coming, like Nathan Jones, and he's already under massive pressure, more so than Dean Smith, it seems. He's under, you know, a lot of pressure, you know, over at um, the Bet 364, almost at Britannia. Again, then, it's a Bet 365 no. stadium now. And yeah, we're Nathan still thinking Jones. about Stoke in the past, mate. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Jones, I was always sorry about that. Yeah, no, it wasn't. No, I was Jones, as yeah. well. I called the stadium the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Stoke City stuck in the past. That's what it is. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, Nathan <laughs> Jones, when he came, he came in from Luton, and obviously it was it was a big thing for for them as well because they they they've reached into the lower divisions to to grab him. Um, and he, he I don't think he so far has seemed to be able to um to take on that challenge. Basically, that like, Rowett left them in a bad situation, but um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either of them were the right the right candidates for Stoke City. They're almost trying to reinvent themselves a little bit, but they've still got a lot of... The, I think suffering a lot from what we had and what Sunderland had as well. They've got a lot of Premier League players in that team who aren't quite up for the fight. Um, and I don't think a guy like Nathan Jones is going to get it out of them, unfortunately. He, like Dean Smith, works with players who, um, you know, perhaps are taught to overachieve a little bit you know hungry players who are motivated because they've never seen those sorts of heights of success before i think uh he's gonna he's gonna keep on struggling there as well for now anyway i think it's worth giving them a match ball then for this game it was uh, largely positive i think there's a few candidates to consider but for me mate my match ball probably has to go to Albert Adoma, first goal of the season. Hustled all match, uh, came on for Alan Hutton early on. And got His goal was in the right place at the right time to take advantage of a team for once and uh, can't look past him. I think there's a few candidates and I think they're all worthy, but I'd like to afford Albert Adoma his first match ball of the season. Yeah, I, I like that one. I think I agree with you. There are a few candidates and I think one of Courtney House or Tyrone Mings is going to have to miss out here. Uh, but I've got to go El Ghazi for, for the second one. Yeah, he missed that, that easy opportunity, but he, he never he never stopped running. Um, he, he tried really hard from that left-hand position. I think he really stepped, to, stepped up to the plate as the main playmaker. He really did. You know, he was the most important player on the pitch, Villa, in that game. Um, and he really did uh, understand his place in that side. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I got to give it to El Ghazi for... Uh, for that, I mean, even setting up that goal for uh, for Adoma uh, in the second half. So we come together to give one. I think Mings and House of Birth both deserving of one, but I have to give one to Courtney Horse. I think um, coming, he was criticised, wasn't he? he? Didn't have a good game against Brentford at all. Really bad game. That was he's stupid, still into the role, and I think he's uh he's looking quite a left back at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, the Brentford game was was silly. I don't know. I I don't know how you can criticise the defender for coming on. You know, with half an hour to go, whilst we're under severe pressure, and the rest of the team aren't exactly inspiring him. Um, so f- forget that Brentford game. I never used it at any point to judge Courtney Horse. 
At left back, he's looking far more solid than, than Neil Taylor was. Uh, I think as long as we can get some more movement out of Courtney, um, I mean, in the sense that, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been running around a lot. He hasn't been playing much football. If 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 he if he turns out to be a little bit more agile and a little bit more versatile, then yeah, he could be a he could be a fantastic left back for us. And you're right, you know, under some pressure, he's turned up. Um, he's turned up, and he's he's been solid basically for the most part. And Stoke City couldn't really get past him much. Him and Mings both on that left hand side were fantastic. But I'm uh, I'm down with giving the third one to to Courtney Horse. So let's get on to the final topic of this edition of the Holtcast. I think we need to preview Villa's upcoming match against Derby County. Um, do you reckon it's another it's another pivotal game for Aston Villa, but do you think this one could possibly be the turning point that they need? What makes you say that then, James? What makes you say what? That it could be the turning point. Well, if Villa win, do you think this is the source of optimism that can boil the season and possibly push them onto a playoff yeah, win. place. I mean, like it's just it's about it's about when that win comes, and I think <laughs> I think it's a tough one. I think we've still got no John, we've still got no John McGinn, right? But hopefully that forces Dean to go with the four four two again. I think it could be the key. I really do think it could be the key. You know, um, I, I, it also opens up opportunities for uh, for any sort of young strikers we have to maybe come on and, and, and try to grab a goal as well. But, like, I think if we go into Derby County and think about it like this, you know, we need to get the three points. If we play like we did against Stoke City in that second half, we'll be fine. And I think now that Albert Adoma has a goal, we play him. We play El Mohamedy at right back, Adoma on the right-hand side, El Ghazi on the left-hand side, right? Stretch play a little bit and basically play with a little bit more positivity. If we get a win against Derby County, 100%, it could be a turning point. And I don't think we go back to playing in the same sort of negative way as we did before. What we need is a big win, though. We need to win by two goals. And I think we, we, we really could um, start seeing us playing well again. Because I am still of the opinion that everything that's going on with us right now is all about confidence and motivation. Villa are six points behind Derby County and obviously could make up some ground there but Derby have got two games in hand based on their performances in the League Cup and FA Cup that have kept them out of championship competition for two game, two rounds so they could stick you know we're six points behind it could be at worst case scenario 12 points behind so we've got some ground to make up on and if you're going to make up that ground you have to beat that team if we're going to make up on Derby we have to you know beat them on Saturday right well, yeah, but and, and don't forget that they that they have Nottingham Forest before us as well, so that could be a big factor uh, as to as to how they play against us uh, on Saturday. So uh, I'd say big up Nottingham Forest this week, right? Let's hope that they can uh, grab three points against them. Yeah, for sure. Um, in that uh, East Midlands derby, I think we'll be rooting for Nottingham Forest. But Villa versus Derby, that's a home game for Villa on Saturday, 3pm. It's a massive one. Again, I think every game out here is a big one for Villa, not just in terms of league position and promotion, but in terms of optimism. And, I, you know, the home games are getting a bit agonising at the moment, right? The the atmosphere around them is uh, it's nothing to write home about. Yeah, and I don't like going <laughs> every week. Uh, well, 
no, yeah, to be honest, I mean, it's not because of even the team. It's just the moaning and the, you know, just the atmosphere. It's just a bad vibes, man. Don't really want to be doing it. I'm like last um, last Saturday, I got my Xbox and I was playing um, Crackdown or something, and I was thinking this is just the life. I have to go to Villa Park now, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not feeling happy about the team. I'm not feeling positive, but I, I do love Aston Villa. I do like spending time with my dad and my stepbrothers as well. But it's just at what cost, man? At what cost? I think we all know that the club's mm. going through a little bit of a tough time at the moment, right? But let's be let's be real for a second. I don't think any of us are scared. No. You know, the feeling that we had at the start of the season, and perhaps near the end of I mean last you know after after the playoffs, was that financially we're in a position where we're not able to sustain ourselves. This club could die. Right, we could be getting liquidated. We could end up, you know, getting points taken off us. Could end up going to League One. That's not where we are right now. Yeah, it's bad, but it's bad because we know something isn't quite right on the pitch. Can that be fixed? Yes. <laughs> if financials are bad, and uh, if we've got a squad full of players that we can't replace, that's something bad, right? But I think where we are right now with Young players coming through like Andre Green, um, when you know we're 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 getting the players and the big wages off. You know we've got we've got guys like like Freddie Gilbert coming in. You know once Hutton's off, uh, I I think that we know that things aren't great on the pitch right now. But we're seeing the club through a tough time. Um, but we're gonna be okay at the end of it. And it is right now. All it is is bad form. And form changes at the click of a button. You can't fix things like bad financials overnight. Form, I, I genuinely believe you can. He's hoping, mate. Well, he's hoping it all turns around. But um, for the final act of the podcast, can you please give me your prediction for Villa versus Derby? Or do you want me to go first if you're not feeling it? Uh, you can, I mean, do, what, do you want to give, do you wanna give me your prediction <laughs> no, first? I don't mind. I'm trying to catch you out. I thought, you'd, uh, thought I'd uh, just rattle you because uh, I, did get, I did get the last one. Nah, right, one one I- against Stoke. And Phil did as well. Oh, you did, didn't you? Producer Phil did. Oh, God, you did, didn't you? Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, man. I got nil. I, I said nil, yeah, nil, didn't I? got the result right, but not the, uh, the scoreline. So, uh, no, no, exactly. Am I behind you? On the no, I think we're all even at one apiece. No. Ooh, <laughs> we'll have to get Tre- I mean, we've done well there, haven't Producer we? Trev can, of done- course, update us with that. Thank you very much, <laughs> Trevor, for um, updating the Predictions League over the course of the season. I think he can give us results. Um I think we it might be one all on a piece. I mean that's dire though, isn't it? It's that's dire. Bad. That's bad. Dire. Like that's we might awful. be able to we might not even be able to reach Derby's point tally at the end of the uh the old O seven oh eight season. No. Um if you know that's one win each, that's three points a piece and we've got only we've only got a few months left. We've only got yeah, I don't think what, it's happening. Games. Um <laughs> is, everyone needs to be well we got the we got the right results. We just haven't got the right score lines. Um, but school lines is what it's all about. I'm gonna go for, I'm gonna go for another one. Yeah, look, Derby haven't been scoring many goals recently. You know, I think since since their since their win over Rackington in the yeah. FA Cup, I think they've only been scoring one a game. Um, that includes a one nil defeat to Millwall and a one all draw with Ipswich. Um, sandwiched in between that, of course, was a two one defeat to Brighton in the FA Cup. Who obviously are a Premier League side, but I don't think Derby are playing with an awful lot of confidence at the moment. Uh, I think the only player maybe that you look at in that team and think, you know, there's a there's a goal coming up at the moment is 
uh, perhaps, uh, sorry, give me a second, his name is stuck in my head. It is Harry Wilson, right? Uh, the young lad on well, he came off didn't he? he came off in like a fourth ten goals but, um, this season that's fair yeah, they're not they're not looking good at the moment um i think they, they probably were expecting a bit more out of jack marriott uh who perhaps hasn't been scoring as many as we would have hoped in, uh, in championship but i just think that right now neither of us really are scoring a lot of goals i do hope that uh i do hope that this is start of a run for us though and for the time being, i'd say many months i'm going to be positive and go with a 2-0 villa win yeah yeah i, I think that i'm going to change tact because whilst I've been predicting draws, we've been getting draws. So I'm going to go with the Villa win. I think that I think that it's another team who just aren't scoring that many goals at the moment. And I don't think they're an incredibly attacking side at the moment. I think Frank Lampard is genuinely struggling to get them to play how he wants to. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Final thoughts are that I still... You can call me a denialist if you want. I, I just think we're going through bad form. I, I Yeah, it is ruining. It is ruining the season because we're not going to reach playoffs, and I'll say that. But uh, I, I, I don't think that we're awful. I think we're just hibernating. And I think once a couple of the players start grabbing goals, we'll be okay. This side, after preseason, is going to be perfectly fine. Um, I'm, I'm just watching the season go by for now. And I'm going to do the typical managerial thing and say, I'm not looking at the table. Um, but, you know, at least let's see some performances, uh, some better performances. I think that's, that's, that's all we're hoping for right now. I want to see more Andre Green on the pitch. I think that's one thing. I want to see more Andre Green, um, and I want to see more uh, Keenan Davis as well. That's about it. Can't help but agree, mate. So uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, we'll see you again, um, I believe, after Aston Villa played Derby, so that'll be next Sunday. And fingers crossed for some free points. I'd like to see a win at some point. I've been James Rushton, that's Danny Riser, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.